Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Uh, not much, Mike. How are you, man? Uh, I, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, We finally got through all those team previews. Uh, we got through all 30 teams. I'm, I'm pretty happy to be done with that. Um, yeah, no, that was, it was a, it was a long arduous process. Um, we finished it. It turns out we're not quite done because there, there was a trade that we need to talk about today. They're always peeing in our weeds, aren't they? Yeah. Just when we thought we were done, Jagas right back into it. I'm just hoping there's another trade tonight so that way we can redo some more teams tomorrow. Oh yeah, that'd be great. But no, if, if, uh, all listeners, if you haven't gone back and listened to our team previews, we did all 30 teams. And a uh, special episode about with Mark Roberts about his projections and why he projected the things that way. And you can find those projections over on hashtag basketball.com. And honestly, that Mark Roberts podcast is uh, is really, really good. It's, uh, it's definitely beneficial if you want to understand um, why the projections look that way on hashtag basketball and why, how Mark does it. It's a, it's a pretty in-depth process. And I mean, I feel like it just helps you understand like where the basis of everything he's projecting is coming from and how it's not based on some sort of whim. Um, some people like to project things that maybe happen, but maybe not. I mean, like uh, we talked about this, for example, in the podcast, like a lot of people are projecting Rodney Hood to like all of a sudden jump up his scoring just because Utah doesn't necessarily have that go-to guy and Mark gives his reason why he really didn't see that happening. Um, it's based in reality that's happened and some reality going forward as far as like leaps that these players can make, but he doesn't like to project anything that seems unreasonable to happen. Yeah. It's a, it's a good methodology and a good baseline to start with. And then you can put your own biases on it and that, and that's perfectly fine because uh, it's just a baseline to, uh, to kind of go off of. So yeah, go go back and listen to that one. It's a good one. Uh, but tonight we got news already. We already have news. It's, it's media day for the NBA, and um, once again, it never it never ends. Um, and let's just hit the big one. You know what I find to be a weird thing before you start? Oh, what? What? It's when those guys sit at the microphone in front of like God knows how many reporters wearing their jersey, yet they haven't played. It's a little strange. You saw Kyrie doing that earlier today. I saw LeBron. I saw Porzingis, like all these guys just in their jersey with their new little logo patch on the sleeve, on the shoulder there. Just like, I'm like, bro, you didn't play, man. Why you got your jersey on? Yeah, it's kind of strange. Uh, but, you know, they want to take the pictures and get all the new the new media out there. And, you know, these 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 papers and Twitter and everybody, we need content. We're, we're dying for NBA content. And, um... You know, we got more content. We have, we are we are dying for NBA content to to talk about. I feel like though, like, do I need to see LeBron in his Cavs jersey? Like, I know what team he plays for. I'm I'm not the smartest the guy new, in the world, but the new Cavs jersey. You don't want to see the new Cavs jersey. What's new about it other than Nike makes it? It's the I don't same. Know, it's a one. different color and the same font as all the other ones. It's not. <laughs> it's got guy. a logo. Woo! Mm-hmm. Great. They put a different shade on it, and the font looks like everybody else's. Cool. Um. But no, we have some huge news in the world of fantasy. And actually, there's some good things and bad things that came out of this trade. Uh, the big trade, if you uh, haven't been paying attention today, uh, Carmelo Anthony finally leaves the Knicks for uh, Enos Cantor 
and uh, one of the greatest villains of all time, Doug the Thug McDermott. Uh, going to New York, about to take the Big Apple by storm, old Doug the Thug. So watch out, Big Apple. I bet he plays for him, which is... <laughs> well, someone's got to. It's it's dancing on both ends, I suppose. Yeah, let's let's start with uh, what happened in OKC. So they, they lose Enos Cantor and, and, and... Oh, no, say your patented uh, phrase. Don't call him OKC like normal people. Call him what you always call him. The, the jewel of the Midwest? No, the OK City, which I don't know what that is. Okay, okay. <laughs> you don't know what OK City is? No, it just doesn't sound right. Well, it's just okay. <laughs> and that's as far as it can go. All right, I suppose. Um, OK City is got mellow. Just sitting, I mean, just coming in, making that team even way more crazy and interesting. And um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about watching that team in the NBA, but what... What does that do to the value of players like Westbrook and um, Paul George? Well, it didn't really affect Westbrook's value for that much for me if you are projecting what I was already projecting, which is kind of a more Westbrook that we saw with Kevin Durant than what we saw last year or the year that Kevin Durant was injured for most of the year. Um, I think we see Westbrook more at like 23 to 25 points, uh, like seven to eight rebounds probably somewhere around eight assists, probably somewhere around two steals. Um, the percentages are always questionable with Westbrook. Um, the two guys could help his field goal percentage a little bit, but he also loves to chuck, which doesn't I mean, help his field goal percentage. Westbrook's so. not going to become a completely different player. No, and that's what I mean. But, I, I mean, I just think that you got to look more at 15-16 numbers than anything he did last year, especially with two guys in tow now. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Westbrook tonight. Um, we're going to play uh, – well, Tyler wants to call it Who Do You Draft with what, with, with Russell Westbrook. And um, I guess that's a pretty straightforward title. So we're, we're going to go with it until I find a long-winded, better title that takes way so too long. So you can to say your 30 words and, and get it over with? Yeah. No, I, I got a better title in me somewhere. It's just – well, it's coming. It hasn't come out yet. But um, we're going to talk about Westbrook and – He's basically being pegged as a top three, top four player currently. D- does that change with the addition of Carmel Anthony? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I've, I've been saying that I, I think that whole top eight is, is real close to begin with. So, I mean. But does it move maybe, him to the bottom of that top eight day, instead of being kind of a top half of that top well, eight? Is he now a bottom half? I, I, I mean, you heard me read the numbers. They, they seem just as good as a lot of other guys' numbers. And we'll talk about this when we get to who to draft with him. Obviously, you're not getting the blocks that you could get from somebody like Giannis or Carl Towns or Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant. Sure. So if you think that's a really scarce category, then sure. I mean, you can pick those guys ahead of him, but I have no problem picking him even at number one. I'm not going to personally, but if you think he's going to be the best player in fantasy this year, I have no problem with that. Yeah, so not a huge significant change for West, uh, Russell Westbrook. He's going to still run this team. Paul George, on the other hand, um, he was going to be the secondary guy on this team, and he still, I think, is going to be the secondary guy on this team. But that role, I think, got a little diminished. Um, not to the extent where I'm suddenly dropping him three rounds. Uh, I think we both kind of talked about Paul George being a uh, a mid to late second round player. If he drops to the top of your third round, you still you have to take him still. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see a ton. 
ton different here. I think the points maybe go down to a little closer to 20 than the 23 he's averaged the last two years. Still really good. But, I mean, we talk about this all the time, how many guys out there are scoring 20 points a game. There's not that many at all. And I think um, the consensus is going to be publicly that, you know, oh, all three of those guys, their their stock might go down a little bit. So you might be able to get Russell Westbrook at the pick six or Paul George at pick 24. Um, I, I think it's going to be good for, for you drafting both of those guys, and I would I would take them in those spots. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Um the question, I guess, becomes like how how far can he fall? I mean, if other guys are letting him fall into the well into the third round, then maybe you don't take him and your end of the second round pick, and you pick him at the beginning of your third round, and you know yeah, he you might be able to get a little bit uh, clever with it if if you're seeing Paul George fall in mock drafts. And I think uh, I did a ton of mock drafts today to prepare for the uh, Russell Westbrook discussion, and uh, Paul George is starting to slide down a little bit. But a player that's starting to uh, that that's going to get a lot of hype from this is Mr. Carmelo Anthony. Um, Carmelo is going to get a ton of hype from this trade, from moving to OK City. <laughs> People think they're going to get hoodie mellow or Team USA mellow or t- Denver mellow or Syracuse mellow, and I think a lot of people are forgetting is that you're going to get 33 year old mellow. That's exactly what you're going to get. Um, yeah, I mean, but what is 33-year-old Melo, I guess, is the question, right? I mean, I don't know if Melo was – I think Melo was dropping under – being underdrafted um, coming into – before the uh, to the season before this trade because I think a lot of people were tired of Melo being on the Knicks, tired of the drama. He sits out games. He's hurt, blah, 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 well, all this other stuff. And now – That's a narrative I'd like to start with, if that's all right with you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so you always hear about, oh, no, Melo never plays, blah, 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 blah. Okay, 40, 72, and 74 games last three years. Okay, 40 is not great, but, I mean, how many guys are playing more than 72 and 74 games anymore? It's, it's a false narrative. I mean, that's not a real thing, people. It's just not. I mean, Melo's, no, not at all. Melo plays. Uh, Melo plays big minutes still. Melo played 35 minutes a game about two years prior to last year and 34 last year. So, I mean, it's still big minutes. Does the addition? Do you think Melo is going to be better simply because on a, he's on a team with talent, and he's on a team where he's motivated to play? Um, do I think he's going to be better? Oh, that's that's a uh, better for fantasy or, or better just better in, in fantasy for uh, I mean, this season than he would have been when you looked at him when you when you reviewed him for the Knicks. Uh, a long, long time ago in our team previews. Not really. I mean, I think I think we know what we're buying at this point. He's not going to shoot a great field goal percentage, but he's going to get somewhere around 20 points. I mean, that might drop a little bit below if he really is the third option here. But, I mean, I just feel like Melo's going to be open for some threes now that he wouldn't have been open for in New York. And that's where the narrative's coming from, right? Uh, look at Team USA Mello. When he's on a team full of superstars, which he's on a team f- with two superstars, he's wide open. He jacks threes. I mean, is Mello going to hit close to three threes a game this year? I, I think it's kind of possible. If he becomes – and this is kind of always the thing we don't know. If he spots up more, I think he could see an increase in those three-pointers. He's got to not – do the the dribble around for five minutes and chuck 
I don't think he's going to. Uh, and we're going to see – I mean, all it takes is one preseason game. I always say it. But one preseason game in, and all of a sudden uh, you see Melo just jacking threes. And he might just do that during the preseason anyway just for fun. And everyone's going to get really, really on the, the Melo hype train, and he's going to get overdrafted for sure. So where is overdrafted for you? For me, I'm looking at Melo. He was out of sight of my top 50. I think this trade could move him closer to 50. That's about it. I'm not going any higher than that. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I don't think we see like primetime mellow. I think, though, that he's somewhere right around that top 50 for me. Um, even with this trade, I would probably say I wouldn't pick him quite in the top 50, but for anywhere after 50, I'm, I'm all right taking mellow. Um, in Mark Roberts' projections at 70 games, he's ranked 63rd. Um, averaging 20 points, basically 19.9 points, six rebounds, three assists, 0.8 steals, 0.4 blocks, 1.7 threes. Um, I think that the steals and the blocks are, are hurting Melo in the sense that I don't think it's going to be – it might be a half a block, and I don't think he even gets to one steal, so that's not the best. But I still – I think I like Melo in that range just for a guy who can score a lot of points when not many other guys can score the points. Yeah, and that's his his uh, production is huge there. Um, let me throw some names at you. Who would you rather? Who would you rather draft in a vacuum head-to-head? Uh, Melo – or Daniello Gallinari? Definitely Mello, because I, I feel better about Mello staying healthy than I do Gallinari. Gallinari always seems to get some sort of strange injury. Uh, Smello Mello or DeMar DeRozan? I'm going DeRozan there. I like that. Mello or Devin Booker? Oh, now that gets interesting. Um, I think I'd rather have Devin Booker. Just I think that they're similar value at what I have pegged now, but I think Kevin Booker, we could see a step forward from, whereas I don't think we're going to see a step forward for Mello. I think looking, if I look at it both ways, you made a, you make a good point where Devin Booker could take a, a, a leap, a mini leap, and he could have the ball in his hands a little bit more. Mello's just going to shoot, shoot, shoot. He's not going to really pass the ball. I assume if you went Mello here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about it. I think they're going to be pretty similar players um, with Devin Booker giving you more assists and Melo giving you more rebounds. So it depends on what you want at that stage, but I feel like those guys are fairly interchangeable this year now. Um, I, I, move, uh, I just move, have to move up Melo up in my rankings because of this trade. I can see that. I can see that. Does Andre Roberson's value, we kind of had him at the end of the draft kind of guy, is he now not standard league uh, relevant? I mean, I, I think he starts at the two and then still sees big minutes. Um, I don't think we were counting on the score a ton of points anyway, so I don't really know what changed for him. Yeah, his, his usage was never his strong suit. He was there for the, the counting stats. Um, so I kind of agree that Andre Roberson's in the same spot. The one guy I think this helps a ton is Steven Adams. Steven Adams is now the starting center. He's not going to be sharing minutes with Enos Cantor. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of liking Steven Adams moving up uh, a round or two. He's a one-in-one type of guy. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can even get a few more blocks when he's asked to do a little bit less offensively, which, I mean, you, you got to remember that 
Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Melo last year were all like heavy ISO players. And so maybe Steven Adams switches his focus a little bit and is asked to do a little bit less on offense and a little bit more on defense, and he can even get that block number up a little bit. So that'll be an interesting thing to kind of look at. Yeah, I'm excited. I think Melo probably plays the four, even though he doesn't like it, or or really they just kind of run some weird sets where Roberson and Melo kind of both play the Mel- four. Melo and- said he was into playing the four today, which I, I was a little bit surprised. All about. of a sudden, Melo's real into playing the four. Paul George uh, probably going to be into playing the four here pretty soon too. All of a sudden, they didn't oh. want to play the four like a couple of years ago. Well, and here, here's the thing too: like, aren't fours a lot of times just the same guy they used to guard? Pretty much. I mean, the league is headed <laughs> headed that way. So, I mean, I like, mean that, like if you're playing Utah, yeah. I can see Melo not wanting to guard Derek Favors. But if you're playing yeah. the normal team, I mean, like LeBron's going to play it some four. Well, he guarded LeBron all the whole, every year. So what difference does that make? It's a really ancient way of looking at basketball now because it's positionless basketball who are the guys on the court all right well someone's got to guard paul Millsap. sorry it's got to be one of you you guys can take turns or whatever um, well and i think you see so much switching now anyways that like even if mellow is the quote four you see him guarding a bunch of different guys on the court yeah there's good i um i predict a lot of switches to mellow i, I predict a lot of teams trying to switch to mellow is what i predict um, I'm hoping Melo looks like he's in a little bit better shape this year when I actually see him on the court. He looked a little mm, out a little of it. Su- a little suspect? A little, just a little, little not what I wanted to see last year. I don't, it didn't really hurt his numbers. So, I mean, I guess that was good, but it was, it's like, I'm hoping this kind of reinvigorates Melo and he seems to care a little bit more. Um, even if that doesn't have a huge effect on the numbers, I think that's just something you always like to see. Yeah, I think he's going to be a little bit more open. I think he is going to care a little bit more, and that is enough for me to bump him up maybe um, a half round to a round, depending on if I need scoring. So let's go to the other team in this trade, the trash dumpster tire fire that is the New York Knicks. Uh, at least got rid of Carmelo Anthony, but not for not for any great assets. Um, but this does usher in the Chris Tapps Porzingis era. And I, for one, am ready. My body is ready for Chris Tapps Porzingis. Yeah. Um, would you pick Porzingis in a Roto League? That's that's my first question. In a Roto League? Yeah. Hmm. Where would I pick? <sighs> Probably somewhere in the second round. So you're not scared off by volume field goal shooting with a very bad percentage? No, I'm I'm actually kind of excited that he's going to get the ball more. He's going to be way more consistently used. Um, that was some of his issues with so, um, in the past is that he would get kind of taken out of the game by Melo. The worrying thing for me, I guess, in, in Roto, and, and this has nothing to do with head-to-head, which we'll talk about in a second, um, is that they don't have a great point guard, I don't think. I mean, I think Nelikina could be one in a few years, but I don't think he's ready. Um, so we're talking Jarrett Jack and Ramon Sessions and Ron Baker. I mean, they're not going to – and Tim Hardaway will probably have some ball handling duties. Like, I don't know that he's going to get set up in, in the, the best possible spots he could be, and I think he might be 
forced to put the ball in his hands and create his own shot a lot. And I think we could see kind of a bad field goal percentage on him on kind of a lot of attempts. Um, which yeah, his, might... his field goal percentage is definitely going to drop. Oh, yeah, and it was already 45, which is not great for a big man. So if we're talking now that he takes 20 shots a game instead of 15, and in those 20 shots he shoots like 42%, and that's starting to look pretty ugly for your field goal percentage in a Roto League. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thinking it's going to drop that drastically. Uh, it could, obviously, but it just depends on what kind of lineup they put around Chris Stapps. And the lineup I'm starting to think now that they might want to put around him is they might want to team him up with Enos Cantor. And that makes – if Enos Cantor is going to play 30-plus minutes a game, he becomes oh, a fantasy nah. oh, stud. Oh, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid again, my friend. I the haven't Kool-Aid. been drinking any Kool-Aid. I'm saying if Enos Cantor plays 30 minutes a game, he is a fantasy okay. stud. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll play along for a minute just to try to prove a point. Okay. How many years has Enos Cantor played in the NBA? Oh, that's, a, that's actually a fairly good question. I'm going to go with like five. Oh, my friend, you are not correct. Seven. Wow. Good for him. Okay. How many minutes a game did he play last year in OKC? Uh, when he shared duties with Steven Adams, I think he probably played 23? 21. Okay. Played 21 the year before that. Okay. okay. Now, we'll go back to his Utah days. Okay. How many minutes a game do you think he played in Utah? When he played behind Al Jefferson? Or was Al Jefferson gone by then? That's a question that I'm not, not 100% certain on. Um, because I, I, I'm going to throw it at you. This is the only time he's ever been the best center on his team. But, and this is kind of where I'm trying to get to, I guess. This uh, guy, Rudy, he was there uh, with Rudy Gobert. Very young Rudy Gobert, though. A, a young Rudy Gobert, but a Rudy Gobert nonetheless. Uh, Beendris was there one of his other years. Watch out for that. Okay, so what my point being is he could have gotten huge minutes, and the most he ever got was like 28. I don't, um, yeah, that was the year he got 28. Um, his defensive limitations, which are a real thing, this dude is if, if you look at him for what he is and what he and what he's not, you get what you get with Enos Cantor. He's a bulk rebounder and scorer. This dude can get in the post and score. He's phenomenal touch around the basket. He's going to shoot a pretty good percentage. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to get points whenever he's out there. The dude in 21 minutes a game last year averaged 14.3 points and almost seven rebounds a game in 21 minutes of action. I mean, that's amazing. Nobody in the time has given him big minutes, and I don't think it's because someone was always better than him. It's just I think his defensive limitations keep him off the court. Yeah, he cannot play defense, but is so is New I, York going to try to win games this year? But I don't think you're going to give him 30 minutes a game if if you if that's super detrimental to your team. Um, let me read this. When he was traded to Oklahoma City, he played 26 games for Oklahoma City after he was traded the very first year. Uh, when they needed a center, he played 31 minutes a game, averaged about 19 points, 11 rebounds, a half a steal, a half a block, and one assist on uh, some pretty good shooting percentages. That's that's probably his ceiling, right? 19 yeah, and, I, and 11? And, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing that, that I think will get some people interested in his canter. Uh, he ranks 96th in Mark's rankings. Now, these aren't updated with the trade. Uh, 21 minutes a game, he's 96th. 
if you look in an eight category. So you got to figure he plays more than that. I'm pegging it at like 28 right now. Um, I'm thinking if you're in a head-to-head league, you're now very, very interested in Ian's Cantor. But you you got to know what you're buying. And then the good percentages, the points, and the rebounds. That's all you're going to get. He's not going to get yeah. you threes. He's not going to get you steals. He's not going to get you blocks. He's just not. But they still have a glut at center, though, in, in, in New York. And, so the, this, and, this doesn't change a lot. That's what that's what I'm saying, and I think it'll end the the type trade I wasn't on on Hernan Gomez. Um, they still have a lot of guys. They still have Noah. They still have Hernan Gomez. They still have Kyle Quinn. They still have Chris Stapps to be a big man. Well, if you go if you go back and listen to our our preview, we kind of basically said there's a huge glut there. None of those guys are really worth thinking about. But Chris Stapps and, and Enos Cantor seem like they are kind of um, a really good fit. If you put them next to each other, they're the both very that, offensively minded, and you could put Zingas to kind of protect the rim. And why I'm, I, I'm not going to jump super high on Enos Kanter in the draft is I want to see kind of what Hornacek is going to do first. Because last year, with those center rotations, he just chopped and changed it. And one night, O'Quinn would play 25 minutes, and then the next night, he wouldn't even get on the court. And like all this just. I don't know any better way to say it than just madness. And I'm worried that they're going to fall into that same trap again this year. Yeah, New York is um, notorious for being a giant tire fire nonsense place. So the Knicks, obviously, this could never work out. Uh, probably, Probably won't work out at all. I just think I'm trying to where I might have been avoiding Enos Cantor at the end of my draft or taking him with the last couple picks, I'm now um, I'm now interested in moving him into the, somewhere in the last four rounds. Does it move Tim Hardaway Jr. or Michael Beasley into a role that interests you in a standard league? Got to mm. figure someone's got to take Mello's 35 minutes a game. Someone's got to take his shots. Someone's got to take the rest of it. Uh, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is standard league relevant. I think we, I think we said that, and um, and I might be contradicting what we, uh, what, what I already said. But Tim Hardaway Jr. is definitely going to play starters minutes. They paid him a, enough money to be a starter. Uh, Michael Beasley probably becomes the beneficiary here. It's it's a weird roster to look at it now. I mean, they don't really have a ton of wings. I mean, I could see him playing a lot of Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee together on the wings, and yes. it's not an inspiring combo, but. It is a combo. I mean, Michael Beasley. It's always a, it's always dangerous to predict Michael Beasley because he's kind of the same as Enos Cantor to get minutes. Like, he's he's been what he's been for a while, and he still never gets huge minutes. So, but when he does get minutes, he scores in in, in bulk, and um, doesn't do a ton. Nothing else, else. like almost nothing else. Yeah. But it just uh, you know a little bit here, a little bit there, and a few re- a handful of rebounds. So. He's not the worst. He's he's a standard league player if he's playing 32 minutes a game. And that's why I mean this is a kind of a rotation now. Um it got on my rotations to follow list during the preseason, which like the first games are on either Saturday or Sunday, which I mean it's coming up fast. Um and here's another thing that could happen too. I don't know how healthy Jared Jack is, but we could see some like Nilakina and Ronnie Baker lineups in the backcourt and like some just real garbage. <laughs> I'm garbage. excited. I'm excited for some garbage time over there. In some, some garbage play in New York. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the the Knicks Bulls game to see just how bad NBA basketball could be. 
Oh man, two worst teams in the league. Um, at the end, no. By record, the Pacers are still around. I know. I could just like the Pacers a little bit better than than uh, both those teams. I'm not gonna lie. Jesus. Um. Yeah. Maybe they are. It could. Be, it's pretty close. It's a good. It's a nice race to the bottom. I'll tell you that. And always a race to the bottom in LeBron's East every every single year. Speaking of the Bulls, two uh, newsworthy notes coming out of Chicago. No, they did not trade uh, Zach Levine back for Jimmy Butler. That'd be nice. Nico Miritich resigned. Two-year contract. I forget. It was like, I think it was about twenty-one million. Don't quote me 26. on that. Twenty-six. Get paid, Nico. I like that. It's good to hear. Officially on the Bulls. Officially going to play. Officially on the this. Bulls for pretty much the whole season. No trade clause in that first year. Yeah, I was kind of uh, shocked by that because it seems like a really stupid idea. Because he's, uh, why would Nico have any um, ability to wa- demand a trade clause? Uh, especially when you're trying to tank, and he if he plays really well this year, you would want to trade him. Um, uh, it's really dumb. It's really dumb. Here's why. Um, you got to give the player some incentive to sign the deal. Um, he could have just played the $4.2 million and gone out and gotten whatever contract he wanted and gotten away from you. You got to give him a reason to sign, so you have to give him, A, some extra money, and B, something that makes him want to sign, and I know trade clause is one of those things that's easy to say. Here you can have and this. it's only for at least it's only for one year. If he plays really well, then he becomes an asset in the offseason and he can be moved. And I'm sure Nico would probably want that on this once he plays on this trash team. But Nico Mirtich is now the best player on this team because Dwayne Wade has been let go. He's been waived from the Bulls. He was bought out. Um, I believe we bought him out. We he took eight million dollars less than his uh, contract, which is really not that much. Uh, therefore, Gar Foreman and John Paxson ended up paying Dwayne Wade $39 million for one okay season in Chicago. We talked about this, though. They're, they're way down there in salary. Um, even with Wade's $15 million, they're at like $57 million plus the new contract from Miritich. Um, so they, they had no real incentive to keep him around because they don't – they want to try to play the young guys, and that's understandable. They don't think they're going to win. He wants to play for a contender, and they had no reason to keep him. I mean, at some point, I think they probably would have paid him the whole $23 million and just let him go away in the sense that they don't really – other than the actual $8 million saved, they really didn't have any reason to keep him around and give him minutes. Yeah, the Bulls want to scrape the bottom, and they're definitely going to scrape the bottom. But as we've said in our in our team preview, this gives this means there's a lot of minutes to go around to a bunch of players that like people probably have never even heard of. Uh, Chris Dunn, point guard of the future, obviously is going to play 30 some minutes a game. He is borderline standard league relevant, although his his steals might be pretty high. But who's playing the two? Is it Justin uh, until Zach Levine comes back? Is it Justin Holiday? Is it Denzel Valentine? We kind of thought Dwayne Wade would stick around until January and then get bought out. But Dwayne Wade's gone, and there's plenty of minutes there. Yeah. Um, Jerry and Grant might even play some, too. Oh, God. Um, it's not a ton of inspiring options. Um, no, it really isn't. I, I'm kind of zeroing in, if, if I'm zeroing in on anyone for fantasy, and on Denzel Valentine. Um, He's going to get maybe minutes, 100%. It's He's a, a last-round the last round flyer at this point because we haven't seen anything that he can technically do. The college transitions were great in the sense that he did kind of a little bit of everything in college and 
I mean, with your last round pick, you want you want a lottery ticket, right? Especially in a standard league, right? You just want a lotto ticket that, oh God, maybe this guy can jump into the top 75 or the top 50. I'm not saying Denzel Valentine can do that, but he's a better lottery ticket than someone you know that's not like Courtney Lee. Yeah, I think if you're in a 14 team league, he should be he should be drafted. If you're in a 12 team league, uh, he might be the last pick in the draft because he's gonna play. I I mean, he's gonna start out by playing 30 minutes. Here's the thing: I don't know if he's gonna end the season playing 30 minutes because he's got a lot of lapses in his in his defense. Uh, sometimes he looks lost on offense. Uh, like I said, the best the best player on this team is Nico Miritich, who's healthy anyway. And, and I'm I'm on. I'm on board. I've always been on board the Nico Miritich train. I'm on board now. He's going to play 30-plus minutes. Here's, He's going to be a fancy stud. Um, and, and Miritich is still young. Um, I kind of worry about this for Robin Lopez. Even though there's no one really behind him that is an inspiring option, I worry that some nights they're just going to be like, all right, Robin, here's 20 minutes, but the rest of the time you're going to sit the bench and we're going to try to play some of these young guys together and – Chop and change, especially when Zach Levine comes back. Yeah, I think you're going to see uh, Lowry Markadon at five. And Robin Lopez is not going to play a full 30-some minutes a game. I think that's accurate, but um, I want to make sure I'm being honest to the fans. Uh, 28, 20 minutes a game. 20 minutes a game, he was um, okay. And in March rankings... Uh, 27 points. minutes a game, and he's still 117th ranked. So I'm not saying don't pick him in a standard league. I'm just saying proceed with a little bit of caution in the sense that I think that they don't really have any reason to want to give him minutes. Yeah, be aware. Um, another signing that we had out there was Nerlens Noel in Dallas. So he is officially on that team. We did talk about Nerlens in the team previews. but uh, Did you hear, a... hear today's news on that? No. Uh, he will be coming off the bench, apparently, because we are going to play Dirk as the starting five now. How long is that going to last? Come on. Um, which, I, is that the worst thing in the world for a guy who's had some knee issues in the past? Also, so what if you come off the bench? Who's ending games? Right, and that's what, that's what I mean. So I think that this is good for us, in the sense that I think this drives the value down even more of New Orleans Noel. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I like to see because I don't want anyone else wanting the guys I want to pick. <laughs> yeah, I think you could probably wherever you think you were going to take Nerlens Noel, you could probably take him a couple rounds later if you're playing with the sharps. And I did a lot of mock drafts today on on Yahoo, and there is just and I know I'm uh, who knows what type of people I'm playing uh, doing mock drafts with. I secretly joined in everyone and made just horrendous picks to throw you I, off. Yeah, that's that could have been. I that could legitimately round, be true. Like every time, just to mess with you. Well, that, that legitimately could be true because I've seen Steph Curry go at the ninth pick in some of these freaking mock drafts today. It was embarrassing. And Nerlens Noel is sitting in a in a rank, and he'll still sit in that rank come draft time. For if you're playing on Yahoo or ESPN, and once that list gets down to Nerlens Noel, he'll be in everyone's mind. So that's what you—that's what you're really fighting against. Is if you're playing in a public league or with some people you really—you you know, some of them you don't know all of them. Once that guy is on the screen, there's a chance he's going to go in the next round or two, unless you're playing with a bunch of guys who know what they're doing. Um, I, I think that you always find right. Like I, I play a league even with some of my buddies who. They're not the most serious players in the world, and that's fine. I think you see that, that they don't they don't scroll down the list. They don't 
I don't even know who's coming up. It's once you make the queue, make make the list there that you can see that they're they're looking to pick somebody. Yeah, so if you're playing with some decently knowledge players, this news for Nerdless Noble is going to help you out. And maybe it'll drop his rank in some of these uh, ESPN Yahoo rankings. That'd be nice. So in other news around the league, since it is media day, we found out that Isaiah Thomas is looking to come back sometime around January. And this isn't really far off from what we were saying in our in our team preview, but this is kind of official news. IT's not coming back till January. Expect, you know, basically half the season to not count for Isaiah Thomas. And we had already bumped him down, I think, a round or so, kind of n- near the middle of the third round-ish kind of area. Are you d- dropping him down even further, or do you think we kind of accurately describe where he where he should be? I mean, here's where things get, get a little weird, right? He's expected to play by January. So I'm not sure what that means. I mean, when when is he actually coming back? Um, I'm, I'm not a doctor. The thing that worries me, maybe it shouldn't worry me, is he didn't have any surgery or anything. He just decided to rest and rehab this hip. And I think we see sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I still think he has to be drafted in any league at some point. So it's kind of the Joel Embiid thing. Um, and that might be a good who, over-under who's going to play more games. Joel Embiid or Isaiah Thomas? Who do you got? I'd definitely rather have Joel Embiid just because I think that the per game will be better. And then, and that's kind of where it's at. So Joel Embiid, we we talked about him following falling into like the third, maybe beginning of the fourth round now, simply because he might be playing like thirty five some games. But is thirty five games of Joel Embiid way better than forty some games of? 42 games of Isaiah Thomas, yeah. Like, way better. Um, if they're playing close to the same amount of games, I'd much rather draft Joel Embiid. Here's the other thing I'll say about it, too, right? Anyone who comes back midseason, you got to ramp up. So you're going to get some less than stellar games. Um, and then once they kind of get back, they usually get back. Um, this team wants to win a championship, so they're going to be less inclined to run him out there when they don't think he's fully healthy. So that could be more games missed. Cause when do they really want Isaiah Thomas? They want him in the playoffs. They don't care about some November game against the bucks. No, low lose if they have to, they don't care about that. Plus then you have these games that the guys got to ramp up. So especially in a head to head league, number one, you're missing X number of games. Then you have to hold this guy on your bench or play him when he's doing inferior production because he's maybe only playing 15 or 20 minutes a game while he's kind of ramping himself up to speed and i just yeah. don't want to put if up he, with that headache if you don't have an ir spot he's going to start dropping to in your head dead he's going to start dropping the fifth and sixth round in a riddle league you can kind of put him on the bench and let him sit there and and, and take him down the stretch the last half of the season and, and probably get some good value out of him if you picked him up in like the fourth round see even but, like anywhere in the top 50 i definitely don't want him like Especially this, you're going to have to take him to the top 50, I think. And, and that's, why, that's why I don't think I'm going to get him, and that's fine with me. I'm cool with that. So is there any other news you wanted to cover? I think there was one of your favorite players that you're talking about um, in Denver. He's kind of upset about being in Denver. Yeah. Um, so the guy, the guy here is kind of threed, and he's not happy coming off the bench in Denver this season. Wait. Not- to hold on. Ken Freed is not happy coming off the bench? Did this has someone told three years ago Kenneth Freed this? Because this is not new news. 
Oh, and, and here's the crazy part about this, right? Is like Kenneth Fareed didn't start last year. Okay, yeah, I get that, but I'm I'm a starter, right? He loves to say this phrase, I'm a starter, I'm a starter. Like, who cares if you're starting or not? I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like, if you're playing in the stretch, it's all that matters. You're not a starter. So does this will this man be happy if I throw him out there for 30 seconds and then you're you started, bro? Take him off and then just never play him again the rest of the night. You started. That's all you wanted. Because if I'm Denver, I might do that. Well, I know I know one team that would uh he would start on that just came into a lot of cap space. And uh if the Denver Nuggets want to give Chicago Bulls kind of to get kind of freed off their back and give them some uh, see, give them some assets, maybe uh Stephen Willie Barton can come over and just light it up for the Bulls. We need a two guard. Ooh, that you know, I don't I don't really mind that idea. The uh the power forward position is the one spot though you guys got some players. Like I don't know why you'd want Kenneth Fareed. Because uh, who who cares if we can get an asset or a draft pick out of it? Uh, okay, great. And, and when Kenneth Fareed is is in Kenneth Fareed mode, he is fun to watch, right? Because he just goes real hard and tries to get sure. rebounds and dunk the ball. Um, the NBA has left Kenneth Fareed behind, like it has many other players, like Roy Hibbert and Al Jefferson. Those guys who can't shoot for more than a foot away from the basket just are not players anymore. It, uh, it left him behind a long time ago. Let's. Uh... Let's also leave Kenneth Freed behind. So, yeah, the, we that's all the news I think we had for uh, today. We kind of went along on that news. Should we uh, split the who should we draft for Russell Westbrook? Should we split that into a, to a, another episode? Hey, that's what we call in the business a teaser, right? He teased Ooh. it, and then he didn't he didn't provide it. So uh, that will be coming. You're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait to see who we're drafting with Russell Westbrook. But that is going to be a good episode. We are gonna go through the uh, the first six rounds of a hypothetical Westbrook draft. So if you're thinking about drafting Westbrook, uh, I would suggest listening into that one. And it's, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be some good content. You're gonna know kind of where we're trending with Westbrook, what categories we think we want to concentrate on in the head-to-head league, and I think it'll be some great information for you. Yeah, we're gonna be doing that for the whole. Uh, consensus top eight like we were like we were saying so um, I think that's it for tonight um, you can uh, if you have any questions or if there's anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast we're going to be doing some strategy podcasts with some special guests so if you have questions um, or if there's a specific person in the top eight you want to hear let us know um, you can tweet at me at watch the boxes and uh, Tyler where can we find you uh, you can find me at watsy4444 cool you got a uh, you got anything else going on you got anything else to plug uh, no, not not anything at the moment. Just uh, keep keep tuning in. Beautiful. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us.